It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. So glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and one of the advisors on the show, along with my friends and business partners, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. Hey, the Roth IRA sure gets a lot of attention from financial nerds like the three of us, but how do you know if you should be using it? We're helping you make this very important decision during this hour of Wise Money. That's right. That's right. It's a common question. Every week, folks, this is your show. So if you have a question similar to this one, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Some people like to submit questions on Facebook and Twitter. You can do so as well, at Wise Money Radio. Okay, as Josh insinuated, we're kicking off this hour of the program with an incredible question from Jeremy. I assume that you have had to answer this question yourself. But then here's the trick, folks. Every year, you've got to re-answer it and answer it again and answer it again. You've got to continue to assess, what should I do? Going back from a show a couple weeks ago about wise financial choices, which option is best? Because they're both good. Finally, enough. Jeremy from Niles, here's this question. I'm wondering how you determine whether you should save into a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. This past year, I, I decided to do a Roth for the first time, but only because I've heard so much about it. How do you recommend that someone decide? Interesting, interesting question. Before we get into the question and starting to answer it, let's, let's define what a Roth IRA is to start. Well, a, a Roth IRA is a tax shelter, and it's basically an opportunity to save for retirement with money that you've already paid taxes on. So it's really the exact opposite of what most people are more familiar with, a 401k or a traditional IRA, where you uh, save that money before you've paid taxes. So what the Roth IRA is doing for you is it's giving you an opportunity to get money into an account where it can grow tax-free forever. That means someday when you get out to retirement, it's a pool of money that you can draw off of without any taxes owed on it. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's why that's so significant. When you get out to retirement, I want you to picture this, this big pile of money that's separated into two layers. The first layer is the money that you contributed. So maybe you've been scrolling away some money into a Roth IRA throughout your working career. The second layer, though, is all of the accumulated interest or growth on the account. Both of these layers, first layer, it's not going to get taxed when you get out to retirement because you already paid tax on those dollars. Okay, the the government's not going to tax you a second time. But the amazing thing that a lot of people don't fully appreciate is that the second layer, all that growth that hasn't been taxed along the way, when you get out to retirement, you don't pay tax on that second layer either, ever. And so, so that's why a Roth IRA, it gets so much attention. We talk about it so much. The longer that you let that second layer grow and accumulate, the more powerful the Roth IRA becomes for you when you get to retirement. Well, it just lines up with one of the principles we talk about on the show all the time, and that is in order to save up for a big goal or save up for, for your future, you need to be doing the right things, have the right habits over a long period of time. It's a long journey, folks. And at the end of that journey, 
or in the final quarter of that journey, when you pull money out, do you want to pay tax? Or is that money going to be tax-free? And yeah, that's that's the question. It's a, and, and by the way, folks, the IRA or Roth IRA, that's a tax question. That's not an investment question. That's right. Absolutely. And I like when you look at the Roth IRA, how many of the areas of CFP, how many areas of financial planning does the Roth IRA touch? And before I go through those, uh, I think Josh called us financial nerds. So in order to live up to that, the, the Roth IRA came into existence during my career. In 1997, it was established in the Tax Relief Act. And people say, well, what's what's the Roth IRA? So the Roth part of that was named after Senator William Roth of Delaware. So that's where we get the Roth. And then IRA is Individual Retirement Account. Also known as an IRA. No, yeah. it is not known as an IRA. <laughs> that, if you, if you, you learned anything really? from today's show, folks, uh, IRA as opposed to IRA. People are called IRA. This type of account is an IRA. Well, if you see Josh, ask him how his IRA's doing. <laughs> but anyway, so there, so there are six areas of financial planning. We like to talk about those, uh, especially in lieu of a couple articles that Casey brought to our attention about financial literacy. So our goal is that we increase the financial literacy across the board in our community here. And so when you look at what areas does the Roth IRA touch, well, it touches my present financial position because I need to decide if I'm going to be contributing to a Roth IRA. Do I have the cash flow in order to do that? It deals with my taxes because the question is, do I make under the limit in order to be able to fund it, number one? And then number two if there's a different tax treatment, if I fund a Roth IRA, which is I'm using after-tax money versus a traditional IRA, we'll use that uh, for our vernacular, which is before-tax money. So that is the tax planning component, and there's more to it than that, but that gives you an idea. The next area is investment planning. A lot of times we hear the question, well, you know, what's that what what are your Roth IRAs paying these days yeah and so that's a that's a, a neat question the, the the Roth IRA really is is just a it's a wrapper or it's a container that goes around uh, money so think of it as uh, it, it just goes around money that you can either have as cash you could have it as a CD you could have it as a stock a bond almost any investment under the sun that you can come up with you could use your Roth IRA money to own that investment. Mm -hmm. And then retirement planning. Yeah, it's saving up for retirement. Saving up for retirement and positioning yourself to have tax diversification in retirement. So we we hit the tax planning area again, but I want to have some sort of tax diversification when I get to retirement. We're going to deal with those more deeply when we get to uh, the, the features of the Roth IRA. And then estate planning. And I can tell you this, if you said to your kids right now, hey, listen, mom and I are saving up some money and you can either have it taxable to you when you inherit it or tax-free to you, what would you prefer? Yeah, tax-free. Yeah. I'll take tax-free. I'll take the, uh, I'll think, take the tax-free. Let me think about it. Tax-free. Give the taxable one to sister and I'll take the tax-free <laughs> one. Thank you. You know, so, and even the question, Jeremy, came off this way, should I use the 
IRA, traditional IRA or Roth IRA, but I just would want to point as we begin to talk about some of the features that it, that there are Roth IRAs, there are Roth 401ks, there are Roth 403bs. I don't think there's a Roth simple IRA yet. Josh is shaking his head, so I say that's that's a for sure thing. Um, so there's there isn't that. So it's not just an IRA contribution. This could be how are you contributing to retirement? What's the tax nature of your contributions to retirement, even through your employer? Do you, I mean, at Corhorn Financial Group, we have a pre-tax and the Roth portion as well. You can, you can select either. And a lot of people who have been contributing to a 401k for a couple decades may not recognize that their employer maybe recently added that Roth feature. Yeah. And what was conventional wisdom all through the first half of your working career Conventional wisdom may have said, hey, while you're working, stuff money into a retirement account before taxes, and later on when you get to retirement, pay the tax on those dollars at that time when you're presumably in a lower tax bracket. Well, that was before the tax brackets got as low as they are today. Mm-hmm. Some folks, you're, you're actually in as low a tax bracket as you may ever hope to be. Who knows? Yep. And if that's the case maybe that conventional wisdom that you always accepted as gospel truth, maybe it's different now. And, and maybe the 401k is something that you really should be considering from a tax perspective. And then again, your situation can change each and every year. So you need to decide each year, is it still good to do the pre-tax, the traditional, or is it better to do after-tax, tax-free, and that's the Roth. Uh, there are two ways to get money into a Roth, either Roth 401k, Roth IRA. One is to contribute and each year, the government sets a limit on how much you can contribute. If you're younger than age 50, it's 5,500. If you're 50 or older, it's 6,500. But you can't make too much money. There's an income limit as well. And then the other way to get money into a Roth is something we talk about on the show all the time. It's called a Roth conversion. And when we get into when should you use a Roth and when shouldn't you, I think we're going to touch on that Roth conversion a little bit. So, and uh, plus, folks. Is there a time when you shouldn't use a Roth IRA? I bet you'd never heard that one before. I would argue there is. We're going to unpack that as well as more features about the Roth IRA, when to use it and why. All that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike Bernard. I've got Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn alongside me in the studio. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kerning, Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. We're talking about one of the most versatile and popular financial tools out there, the Roth IRA, today. And we're answering a question from Jeremy talking about whether you should use the Roth or traditional. We're helping you diagnose that. If you have a question, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com or 574-222-2000. All right, Jeremy's question. We're going to actually answer it in just a second. We're defining what a Roth IRA is right now. But here's his question. I'm wondering how you determine whether you should save into a traditional IRA or Roth IRA. This past year, I decided to do Roth for the first time, but only because I've heard so much about it. How do you recommend someone decide? We've launched into that by defining what a Roth IRA is and the difference between the two, a traditional IRA, you get your deduction now and you have to pay tax when you withdraw the money on the growth and what you put in. 
the Roth IRA, you pay the taxes on what you contribute out now. It doesn't help you on your taxes today. But out there in the future, you don't pay tax on those dollars again, and all that growth is tax-free. What about some other features, guys? What have we left off? Well, I think it's it's important for people to realize if people, sometimes I've heard folks, some common misconceptions, and they say, hey, I'm putting money into my retirement plan at work, therefore I can't really put money into an IRA. And that is actually not true. So there are separate contribution limits for your pre-tax retirement plan through work versus your IRA or Roth IRA. You talked, Mike, about the ways to get money into a Roth IRA. There are a couple ways. One is to contribute. The only way I can contribute, though, is to have earned income. Yep. And there are really two ways to contribute. One is to go in the front door, and if I make less than $194,000, I can put money into a Roth IRA. As long as you made money or your spouse made money. I have to have earned income. Yep. Paycheck money, in other words. Pay, right. I have to have paycheck money. And and the amazing thing about a Roth IRA is as long as I have paycheck money, I can do it. So I'm not aged out of this one like I am a traditional IRA. So this is going to get a little technical and a little complicated, but I think it's, it's worth uh, leaning into because it's really, really good stuff. If I make over 194000 as a married couple, I can still get money into a Roth IRA. The, the, it's called a backdoor Roth IRA, and the way that it works is I put, I make a non-deductible contribution to my IRA, and then I immediately convert it to my Roth IRA. Yeah, and there's a potential tax trap there as well if you have other IRA dollars and, and so on. So that strategy doesn't work for, for everybody, but um, it, it maybe underscores the reason why your financial advisor and your tax advisor need to be collaborating. That's right. Don't let these opportunities uh, slip by. And yet at the same time, don't also assume that every great idea we talk on the radio applies to you. Either. Yeah, right. So. It's all circumstantial. One of my favorite features of the Roth IRA is it does not come along with it a required minimum distribution. Yeah, Some of you one. know what that means. If you've been saving up pre-tax all those years, you reach age 70 and a half and maybe life's just going fine and you don't need to make a lot of withdrawals. All of a sudden you're forced to start making withdrawals. And if you forget to do it, it's a steep penalty the largest penalty out there of tax penalties. And so the Roth IRA, and, and basically people say, well, why do I have to do this? Well, you've been avoiding taxes for so long. The government's going to force you to take money out of that pre-tax account. You've got to show that income on your taxes. That could mean you're paying more tax on your Social Security. could mean you're in a different tax bracket. You're limited on some deductions. It could have a whole bunch of ramifications. There's no requirement that you've got to take a certain amount out of the Roth IRA. It can truly grow tax-free for as long as you choose. That's right. So so there's not a, an end date where you have to start pulling money out. There is a beginning date where you really don't want to pull money out of a Roth IRA before age 59 and a half, and you've had the account open for five years. That's right. Okay, that's a little caveat that sometimes gets missed, that little detail. So if you're 54 and a half, and you don't have a Roth IRA, now's the time to give it extra close look 
because uh, you're you're in that five year window before age fifty nine and a half. There's also nothing saying that age five, 59 and a half is really the right time to be pulling money out of a Roth. Right. You really actually want this money to stay in the account as long as possible. All right, so that, that's that's really the perfect segue because you give a good example there. Maybe I can have you restate it, but we're finally going to answer Jeremy's question. Okay, how do you know when you should use the Roth or you should use an IRA? And Josh just mentioned one. It, if you, you want to start that five-year clock ticking, and so there's an incentive right there. Even even if the rest of your financial circumstance says you need tax deductions today, gosh, if you don't have a Roth IRA, I could argue right now that you should at least put a hundred bucks in there. Start that five year clock running so that that fifty nine and a half deadline is or or, or kind of initial um, withdrawal period is actually a real a, a real time period for you. So. Um, here's my favorite one, since you guys were pausing, I'll, I'll, I certainly want you guys to chime in here too, but my favorite one, if you're young, if you're young, that should give, that, that should be, if you're, if you watch tennis, advantage Roth, right there, Absolutely. if you're, if you're young, I can't tell you this year alone, just 2017, how many clients I've met with where we've talked to them about getting a Roth IRA going and they look at me and say, gosh, that's such a great deal. Can I have, can I, can I put some money in a Roth IRA for my kids? Because they see the power that, hey, my 16-year-old or 17-year-old has a long, long time for this money to grow. It would be awesome for it to grow tax-free. And, and I also like this. The first thing I say is, well, they got to work. <laughs> put that kid to work. And, and then, yeah, we've opened them for a lot of, uh, a lot of those kids. So uh, do, do we you, know how old Jeremy is, by the way? Nope. Nope. So let's just pretend that he's young and say, yeah, Jeremy, so, uh, the, the longer you let this thing grow, the more powerful it is. If you're, if you're young, it doesn't mean, well, you have to do Roth, but I just say advantage Roth. Right. Right. And when, when you're young, the thing that it kind of goes in conjunction with that, it's likely that you're not in your peak earning years. So tax wise, you're not paying a lot of taxes because if you're in a situation where you have a higher tax bracket, it makes the Roth IRA less appealing and pre-tax contributions more appealing. But there's a flip side to that too. If you're in low income years, you might finances might be tough and you might say, gosh, I own I know I own, I'm only getting a 10% deduction here, but that means I'm paying less tax. I can get a little extra money in my refund. Yeah, I got to I got to do that. I have a lot of people that just like to get their hands on extra money today. You know what? So I have an example where you that that wisdom that you just shared actually didn't apply in this particular client situation, they brand new, came in this spring, and um, they, they'd been working with an accountant who also dabbled in investments and kind of controlled their investments. Dabbled, yeah. Uh, if you can do such yeah. a thing. Um, but as we dove into their tax situation, we discovered they're in the 15% tax bracket, kind of the scenario that you were just describing, low, low tax bracket, which again says advantage Roth in my mind. Yeah. Um, but uh, on top of that, they also had a bunch of investments already squirreled away in joint accounts. Mm. Okay, That means not tax sheltered. It's not in an IRA or a Roth IRA. Every time those investments make money, they're having to add them to the tax return and pay tax along the way. And even though they didn't have lots of extra cash flow to be able to fund a Roth IRA, they did have money that was already saved into their retirement nest egg. It was just growing tax inefficiently. 
Yes. And so I, I asked them, you know, why, why has your accountant, who's also the investment advisor, not recommended that you shift dollars over into the Roth IRA each year? And, you know, there was this kind of puzzled look. And, and then the question came, well, I don't know, why haven't we been? And, and the client actually got more angry than I even realized that they would. But the, the point was, they were missing an opportunity to get these dollars sheltered while they're in a low tax bracket and never pay tax on that money again. Folks, moral of the story, that we see this all the time. Folks, you need to be working with a certified financial planner. You'd almost think in that circumstance, boy, my accountant who knows my taxes is also dabbling in investments. Certainly, they're giving me great advice here, helping me make a wise choice for go good and go with great. No, you need a certified financial planner to proactively and on an ongoing basis review your entire financial situation to lead you to the great gosh. There is a few other circumstances, there are a few other circumstances where I would say advantage Roth, and you need to consider whether uh, that applies to you. But there are a couple folks where you should avoid the Roth like a plague. Never heard that before. We're going to talk about that and more coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you for tuning in. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike. I've got Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn with me in the studio. Special thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100. I know she's busy right now with the housing market the way that it is. Thanks for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. So far, we've been talking about the Roth IRA, whether you should use it or whether you should go the pre-tax route, the traditional route. And uh, we've got a little bit more, uh, a few more circumstances to touch on there. If you've missed anything, check out the podcast. We podcast every episode on the website as well as on uh, iTunes and Google Play. So if you've missed anything, you can catch up right there, wisemoneyradio.com, or checking out the podcast on those two venues. Um, you can also follow us, connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. I'd invite you to do so. All right, still answering Jeremy's question about whether I should use a Roth IRA or an IRA, and we're starting to tackle those specific circumstances. We said if you're young, advantage Roth. If you've got dollars sitting aside in a taxable account and you're in a low tax bracket, Start repurposing those dollars, advantage Roth. Over break, we were just talking about one. Kevin? Yeah, I, well, I like the, the flexibility of a Roth IRA. Sometimes folks, for instance, in Indiana, they say, hey, I'm willing to put $5,000 into a 529 plan, but I don't want to put a lot more than that. That's the maximum amount that I can put in and get a credit on my state taxes for per year. So I'm willing to fund that at a level of 5000 but I don't know if I want to fund it anymore because I don't know if my kids are going to go to college. I don't have money stuck in this 529 plan that the credit could get clawed back, et cetera, et cetera. And so the the Roth IRA actually does give you some flexibility because you could open a Roth today and put $5,500 into that Roth IRA and tomorrow need it back and you can always pull your basis right back out. Your basis is the amount of money that you put in. So I've had some clients say, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to use the Roth IRA as the second layer after the 529 plan. That's kind of the second layer of the contingency plan 
for funding education. So in the event that we need it, we can pull the basis out and use it for education. Yeah, the growth has to stay in there. Otherwise, uh, if you pull the growth out of a Roth IRA before age 59 and a half, plus that five years, that's where you get the 10% penalty. All right, you want me to freak you guys out? Yep, I mean you. So my wife and I, Cindy, were pregnant with our first, Carrington, and she just turned seven. So this is seven years ago. And she was working full-time. I was working full-time. She had her own health insurance through her company. They had a group plan and all of that. And so we get pregnant and it's amazing. It's awesome. And we're going to the doctor and we're doing ultrasounds and all that stuff. And we start getting bills and we're having to pay the full amount. And after a couple, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. What is going on here? We're probably six months in, five months in. And I said, you need to talk to your boss or HR about what's going on. And she goes back to them and they say, oh yeah, you know, we told you about that group policy. It's not a group policy. It's just each individual policies. And so you don't have maternity coverage. Ouch. Won't, won't, won't. So we had to do the entire pregnancy, labor, all that sort of stuff out of pocket. Folks, I can tell you. Yep. Don't use your Roth as an emergency fund. But yes, from personal experience, if you're in an emergency in a bind, you can grab that principle, that basis out that you contributed. No penalty, no questions asked, no problem. So... Yeah, that is that is pretty sweet. And th- it was interesting when the Roth IRA came about, it came about in 1997, 1998 was the first year you could contribute to it. And I was in the fourth year of my career uh, back then. And what the Roth IRA really made obsolete for all intents and purposes was cash value life insurance or permanent life insurance. And the reason why is that when you looked at permanent life insurance, the way it was sold back then, it was you put after-tax money in, it grows tax-deferred, and you can pull that money out tax-free. And you can, the, the technical term is you surrender your basis and then you switch to loans and you borrow against it. And that's a great way to have a permanent policy blow up on you, <laughs> blow up in your face. But that's how it was sold. And so after-tax money growing tax deferred coming out tax-free that is really sweet that was how permanent life insurance used to be sold the Roth IRA is after-tax money growing tax deferred coming out tax-free if you do it right and that is that makes the Roth IRA I affectionately like to refer to the Roth IRA as the 24 karat gold Cadillac Mm -hmm. I mean it is just the sweetest plan that you could ever have. And back then your contribution limit was 2000. Now that's grown. It's been indexed and it's 5,500 now. And you can do a thousand dollar catch up if you're 50 or older. So you can put 6,500 in. And, um, so I, I like that it, it gives me this tax diversification and it lets me build a pool of money that when I get into retirement, I don't have to take just taxable money out. And you say, well, why does that matter? I'll give you a great example. I had some clients that had income somewhere in the neighborhood of $150,000. And they were retired. They're on Medicare. And the difference, they wanted to buy a car for $40,000. If they had pulled that money out of their, all out of their traditional IRA, their income would have been about $190,000. Well, the problem with that much income when you're on Medicare is Social Security takes back a portion of your Social Security check 
to pay this Medicare additional premium. That's right. So you really have to watch your income in retirement. And some, you know, you might be listening to the saying, well, I wish I had that problem, but it's not uncommon to make these mistakes or these slip ups by pulling the money out of the wrong account. And so it's nice to have that flexibility in retirement. If your sole reason for contributing to a permanent life insurance policy is to get tax deferral, nope, you need to go see a certified financial planner. Yep, and repurpose to a Roth. Hey, I've been warning against it uh, or about it. There's some times when you do not want to use a Roth IRA. I've got a couple up my sleeve. Josh, do you have one? Well, I, I think sometimes people run into unintended consequences when contributing to a Roth IRA or, or maybe even converting money from an IRA to the Roth IRA. That was that second way that you can fund a, a Roth. It, it basically causes your income to be higher than it otherwise would, and if that puts you into a situation where maybe you're in the college years and higher income affects uh, financial aid, mm-hmm. or maybe you're in the social security drawing years and the higher income causes you to pay tax on more of your social security. Uh, you know, another trap these days is uh, higher income can cause you to have to pay back maybe some Obamacare credits if uh, you're on an Affordable Care Act plan. I've never seen that be some. It's usually a whole bunch. Well, yeah. So this that could be a big issue where you'd rather have those dollars reducing or as a deduction from your income so that you don't have to pay back any of those premium credits. Well, and, and going down that trail, Josh, I think of if I'm right on the bubble of getting the retirement savers credit. That's the one I was yeah. thinking. Yeah. Because I will get the credit if I've contributed to a Roth IRA. I might not qualify because I have too much income. So if I do a traditional IRA and bump my income down, that might put me in the sweet spot to get the retirement savers credit, which is why I want my tax planner to talk to my investment planner. Mm-hmm. Because if they're if my investment planner is not talking to my tax planner, then you need to be talking to your certified financial planner. Mm-hmm. Because this these these are key decisions and the interesting thing to me, it's always amazed me that if I miss this opportunity and I leave a couple hundred bucks on the table here or there, 99 times out of 100, I'll never know about it. No one ever tells me. Certainly the IRS doesn't send you a letter and say, hey, listen, you zigged when you should have zagged and you could have saved yourself a, a chunk of money here yeah. by, by doing this strategy. But I, when we see this, we think, oh my, there's so many opportunities that people just aren't aware of. And so that, that gets us out of bed every morning saying, hey, let's help people find and maximize the tax reju- reduction strategies that are available to them. One other time you should not use a Roth IRA. This one's obvious. It's just baked into the rules, but I've seen this time and again. If you don't have earned income or your husband doesn't have, or your spouse doesn't have earned income, you can't contribute to a Roth IRA. I, I've could probably maybe a half dozen times people have been funding a Roth IRA and I look at their tax return and they don't have any earned income and they just thought, oh, this is the right. I get to do it. No, the investment folks. company is not going to turn the money down either when you send it to them. Exactly. So you have to catch it yourself. All right. Coming up in just a moment, we've got a great question from Don. Speaking of taxes, how long do you keep your tax returns? How long should you keep your investment statements? Great question coming up. That and more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. My name is Mike Bernard, alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. If you've missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question there, but you can also listen to the previous 10 episodes. Want more Wise Money? Go to the podcast. All the episodes are right there. iTunes and Google Play. Search for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Just subscribe to it. That's what I do. And uh, we know a lot of folks that do as well. Uh, you can also give us a call, 574-222-2000. That's another way to submit a comment, a grievance. I'll give those to Kevin or a question. Speaking of, we are still answering a question from Jeremy about the Roth IRA. We've got to get to Don's question about how long do, should I hold on to statements. But there's just a little bit of meat left on the bone there. We left off with the Roth IRA talking about sometimes people make the mistake of contributing to a Roth IRA, even though they don't have earned income, they don't have paycheck income, like Josh said. Yeah, that's a huge problem. You're not allowed to do that. But maybe you should consider a couple other things. Yeah, so I would restate that and say, if you do not have earned income, do not contribute to a Roth IRA. The question is, should I or should I? You are not eligible to contribute to a Roth IRA if you do not have earned income. Now, if you do not have earned income, this is very, very, very important. So I want you to be tough here and, and lean in because if you do not have earned income and you have pre-tax retirement money, so think I've got an IRA at the bank, I've got 50000 my IRA at the bank, I have no earned income and I pay very little or no taxes. I ran into a situation last year and they're saying, well, look, we didn't pay any taxes. We didn't even file a tax return. That's good, right? That's great, except for the $250,000 you have in your retirement plan that could, could have got made a jailbreak, and you could have gotten a chunk of money out of that pre-tax retirement plan, moved it from your IRA. Bless, bless you, you. Bless you, Casey Henderson. That's right. Moved it from your IRA, your traditional IRA, to a Roth IRA, or just pulled it out of your IRA and spent it. Yeah. But you can do the conversion from the IRA to the Roth IRA and pay little or no taxes if you have no earned income. One of my favorite Roth IRA success stories is also a really sad one, folks. So grab the Kleenex. Uh, folks came to me about 10 years ago, and he had just lost his business. And some some tax, um, some federal tax um, laws changed, and it caused the tide to turn on his business and it, it was it was pretty tough. Well, up until that point, they had been saving everything in the pre-tax because the business was so good, they wanted the write-off, and now they had all of this loss, and he no longer had any earned income. And so for years, we would each, every fall, we'd look and say, all right, how much should we move over into a Roth conversion? And he didn't like paying that tax, but he said, yeah, this is the wise choice. And so over the course of those 10 years, we moved about $350,000 over to the Roth, paid very little tax on it, well, he died last year, and the uh, kids inherited that money tax-free because dad avoided tax by contributing to pre-tax accounts in the high-income days, and we moved it from pre-tax to after-tax to the Roth in the 0 or 10% tax bracket. Yep. So sad story, but saved them thousands of tax dollars. So we're talking to you if you have little or no earned income 
or this is a year where your income is going to be considerably less than it's been in the past, you want to consider a Roth conversion. Which can happen to you sometimes if you change your jobs or for those uh, of you who are business owners, sometimes there's ebb and flow, right? So, all right. Great question, Jeremy. We will continue to talk about the benefits uh, of the Roth IRA. Don asked a great question. You've thought it before. I know you have. How long should I keep my tax returns and my investment statements? Well, the accountants will tell you, you need to hold the tax returns for seven years, right? I, personally, I, I like holding all of them. It's maybe nostalgia. Maybe I don't have decades yet of accumulating filing cabinets <laughs> full of stuff that need to be purged. So jo- Josh has been four years into renovating a foreclosure. So what do, what do you have? Are you closing off a room here that yeah, is we, the tax return room? built a file room. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so continue. No, you know, in, in this day and age, actually, you can scan these documents and keep a digital copy, right? Mm-hmm. So, so why not keep all of them? Just... You know, uh, suck them through the scanner. You know, they're they're so fast these days. You keep an image of it. Obviously, you got to keep it uh, secured. Yeah. Um, especially in this digital age. But keeping the tax returns at least seven years physical copy is is a good idea. But having access to as many of them as possible, um, you know, it, it could be helpful down the road. Especially if someday you need to go back and establish cost basis on something that you purchased or, or you never know uh, when you need to go back and look at, at some records. On the investment statements, I generally keep all of the current year's statements as we're going through the year. And then when we get to December 31st, I hold on to that one and purge the rest and keep an ongoing log or history of those statements. Just December 31st, just a snapshot um, again, just purely to be able to look back and reflect on, okay, are we making progress here? Can I go back and see some history? What's a what's an investment statement? An invest something you get in the mail? Yeah. What's mail? <laughs> no, I would totally argue with you, Josh. I on the tax return, I'm I'm somewhat fanatical, and I scan them and then keep them. I just have this weird, like I can't get rid of this. But yet people ask me and I tell them, oh, yeah, just scan it, get rid of it and keep it forever. But I personally can't. I'm not I'm not eating my own cooking there. There's something there. But with investment statements, I, they, I don't even get them anymore. They're online. So I would apply what Josh said. I'd save to a PDF your year end statement every year. Yeah. But it, don't don't get paper statements anymore. I know some of you, you now don't like me because I said that. But no, turn them. They're going to start charging you for statements. Yeah. They are going to start charging you for statements. Start getting them electronically. They're going to start charging for statements. They are going to start, they may even be charging you now more for your trades if you're getting paper statements. Mm -hmm. And although I will go back to early in my career, we, things were saved on microfiche or microfish, depending (laughs) on where you're from. And I had a client Mm, whose mother died and mom had an annuity and the beneficiary was someone and they had the paperwork to prove it but the insurance company had a different beneficiary listed oh wow interesting because mom had changed the beneficiary so in the original contract in the original paperwork the beneficiary listed one member of the family thought i'm in line to get this and it was mean i'm 
just 25 years ago, and it was $186,000. So it was, it, it was... That is real money. Yeah, it was real money back then uh, as well. And so they actually had the proof, because they had a copy of the, the change of beneficiary. So I would just say, work out with your professional that you're working with, what is the document storage arrangement that you have and how should you do this? It's a good it's a good conversation to have with your advisor and say, hey, how do you want to do this? Is there a shared folder that we can have where the, the documents that I sign can go into that and I can access them at any time? There's all kinds of different ways to do it. I would encourage you to get rid of clutter. I'm a, uh, I'm a saver and so I like to save everything. And so um, clutter is my uh, one of my best friends. And, but I would encourage you, if you can do it, to, if you're a saver, uh, marry someone who's a pitcher. What about, <laughs> what, about, what about insurance? What about life insurance? What about your home and auto insurance? You keep, you keep those? I just got a statement in the, or a renewal in the, in the mail. You guys keep those? I, I keep those. And again, either scan them or especially the policies themselves, keep them somewhere that's, you know, fireproof or in a bank safety deposit box, whatever. You know what's funny? The only thing I have in my safe, sorry, Casey, sorry, Kevin, I'm not, I'm not a gun person, sorry. I'm not, I'm not against, but I'm not a gun. I don't own a gun. Um, but the only thing in my safe, my wedding pictures, <laughs> my wedding pictures and my life insurance policies. That's it. Huh. That's it. Where do you live again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm not telling you. Uh, <laughs> but but home and auto insurance, I don't I don't keep those policies. But you should. I mean, the language is very important when you have a claim. So so you should you should keep those for sure. Going back to what Kevin mentioned about the beneficiaries, did you know that your where you work or even your 401k company is not legally required to store your beneficiary information? That is on you, folks. So when you talk about what documents to keep your hands on, gosh, certainly that one. Keep a track of who your beneficiaries are, especially on the 401k. So great question, Don. Great question, Jeremy. Thank you so much. If you have any questions, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com or 574-222-2000. That's all the time we have for today, folks. On behalf of Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and myself, we'll see you next weekend for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.